LDB, 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 LDB. Good evening, LDB. It's time for your favorite podcast. I am your host, Chris Schutzer. I am joined, as always, by our co-commissioner and co-host, Mr. Matthew Starr. Matt, how are things going? Uh, they're they're going well. Uh, I'm, I'm sad Becker's not here. So we can't we can't talk about why why things are going so well, but you know, so be it. I don't think there's going to be anything that stops you from talking about what's going well. It's just he won't be there to uh, to you know take his lumps, if you will. Uh, I, I'm also in a great mood because today's the first day of summer vacation for me, so that's that's a that's a good thing. School's out for summer. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Sean Crean. Sean, how are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Got to Fenway earlier this week. And uh, yeah, just uh, not quite a, a two and a half months of summer vacation, but it's feeling like summer. Well, there you go. And in a surprise, uh, very last minute turn of events, we were able to get the man of the hour himself. Mr. Anton Johnson is here uh anton how are you man hey guys i'm good i'm uh my head's kind of spinning still from all these trades um i don't think i have any bullets left so uh let's talk about what i did well why don't you just jump in man like walk us give us the narrative of all the moves you've made in the last week and a half or so um and and you know the logic what persuaded you to to push the chips to the middle of the table etc sure um so yeah i guess just to to start with what i did um, it's really been a result of uh, two two trades so far. Let's see if I can even remember them. Um, I started with uh, Jose Ramirez and uh, Clayton Kershaw, addressing a clear hole I had at third base and starting pitcher. And in looking at my team and getting good advice from Star and others in the league, like I was good, but am I like win it good? Probably not. And so then I was trying to figure out, okay, well what can move the needle at this point? And I came to starting pitching and I talked to Sean, I talked to uh, other folks on the, uh, in the league, other sellers and Wheeler was just the obvious guy out there to pick up. So today I've traded for Wheeler. I traded for uh, Contreras and I also upgraded my bullpen with uh, Rezil Iglesias. In doing so, I moved um, Francisco Alvarez. I moved Ellie De La Cruz who, it's the only guy everybody, literally everybody asked me for. And um, I can't remember who else. A lot of picks. So I have two picks in the next two years, and I'm down half my primo farm. Um, but I'm excited. The team's looking good. So I'm I'm pretty pumped. Anton, I think you missed the memo. This was a, a podcast about Elden Ring and Obi-Wan. Um, you've yes. just gone on like a three-minute rant that, for, that was the wrong podcast. I am so sorry. Next time. <laughs> we can edit that out, right? <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Uh, well, Sean, Matt, what do you guys think? I love it. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm always one to advocate teams going for it. I mean, I think Anton's team, through kind of a, a combination of good luck and you know, some some good drafting had really overperformed expectations. Um, you know, he had the ammo. There were some clear holes, I think, to to go out and get 
you know, probably the best starting pitcher and the best position player on the market. Uh, it's, it's about as good as you as good as you can do to fill uh, some of the holes that he had. In addition to adding guys like Clayton Kershaw and Contreras and Russell Iglesias and Edwin Diaz, you didn't even mention the Edwin Diaz trade. Thank you, sir. I love it. I think you know his, his team was kind of in the playoff mix. I don't know if he had kind of uh, stayed the course if that would have kept up. And I think now. He has very clearly positioned himself nicely for a, a playoff run here. And I love it. I, I love to see it, especially given this team looked, you know, he, he kind of looked like he was punting the season a couple months ago. And and to see where we are now, it's, it's kind of fun to see. It just doesn't happen very often. I love it. Agreed. John, thoughts? Hey, yeah, I, I agree. I love the 180. I was going to ask Anton the, the decision making on this. Like, what at what point did you feel like it was the right moment to do this? Did you feel like the prices were pretty good, like relative to what they might have been a year or two ago? So I feel like what I kept coming back to was I've so I've won it once. And back in 2014, when I beat Chris, um, I had a couple of clear holes like i had one outfield hole and i traded for mccutcheon i had one other hole and i fixed it and i won now that's a one that happened one time i've been in the finals one time and so that's you know what i'm looking at here but in looking at this team i feel like because i sold so hard off the top, I had to be smart about how I went into the auction. I just didn't have the money for the stars. And I normally go stars and scrubs. And I should have looked at this as I've been in this league for 14, 15 years, and it hasn't worked out for, you know, 13 or 14 of those times. Let's try something different. And enough of those dart throws hit that I had a couple of clear holes. And so in uh, accumulating all the picks and accumulating all of the, uh, all of the talent that I had, I could afford to spend even, you know, lavishly for a quick turn. Like I, I started talking with Nate two days ago. Like this was not a long-term thing. We determined that it was available. This was the price. I thought that was a reasonable price. I was looking at the amount of calendar that I had left. I'm playing Mark this week. Mark is a guy I'd like to beat. I don't know if I'm going to beat, but I would like to. Um, and so I just wanted to get the most amount of time out of these rental players. I noticed that you just like sort of threw in there like a little stinger and then gave it like two seconds, you know, that you beat me in the finals. That was, that was nice. <laughs> Thank you. Very, very sweet. You're, I, you're welcome, man. Certainly I understand you had to dive off camera for a second there. Yeah, I, I, I think you, I think you may be, you may have beaten me on the way to that as well. So uh, it was a magical run. That year was not supposed to happen like that. Well, look, I think I think you know, Sean. I'll 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 pick up the thread. Like, I, I'm I'm curious, Anton. Are, were you finding like just to go back to this? Like, you you've clearly been negotiating with a lot of people. Would you call this market typical, or are, do you feel that uh, the other piece to this is that you were able to to really find sellers, and there were a lot of them? You know, honestly, I feel like part of the benefit and what I've been able to leverage so far is the fact that I. I haven't seen in the past my level of aggressive buying prior to week like 13, 14. 
And so I wonder if it's just people want to put another week or two under their belts and see if they really are going to be good or not before pushing their chips in. And I just decided I'm at the halfway point. I'm at 500. I mean, the playoffs are such a crapshoot. I could lose in the first round. Or if I give myself 10 weeks to try to get a buy or two, well, I'm a couple rounds further as is, but I need that time. I need, I need to be able to vault myself in there. So I feel like if anything, by being a little more aggressive, I was able to find those people earlier. I paid a bit higher of a price than I possibly could have gotten. But honestly, I feel like this has all been pretty fair market value. Like I, I haven't been only talking to one owner about any of these trades ever. Like I alluded to the fact that I've been talking with Sean. I'm sorry, Sean, I went a, a different direction, but like I was trying to, to weigh what I was willing to give up impact on, on the roster spot and just thought um, pay a little more for a little extra time uh, was worth it to me. No, do you mind if I, I chime in real quick with the question? Uh, just just because I'm curious. You know, I, I, I feel like Anton paid a pretty fair price for, for in all of these trades. And I'm curious, I don't want to call, call anyone out in particular, but Chris and Sean, you, you guys are both kind of on the other side of this. And while you weren't the ones who made the big trades with Anton, I'm curious if you felt like Ant, the fact that Anton kind of came out and was offering kind of, you know, maybe was he offering? Do you think more than the mar than than the market you guys were seeing in terms of prices? Uh, you know, it seems like the market had been kind of tepid in terms of I, what I, I what what teams have been offering. And do you feel like he he made he made like a fair or uh, or paid more than yeah. the market? I'm curious to get your perspective on that. I think Anton got good prices for. I think he got a good price for JRAM, partly because I have a sense for other offers. And I, I, I think I would have taken another offer if I were trading JRAM, if I were Ray, but I think Anton paid a solid price. I think it came down to whether you wanted a basket of picks versus like more of a premium prospect, um, like kind of a top 10 guy. Um, but I think, I don't know, this is, this is a tough, this is a tough question. I, I do think there are fewer top double A's available, partly because there are the teams that do have them are, I think are clinging to them fairly preciously, understandably. So there, there may be one or two teams that have a bunch of them um, that are just potentially distorting the market a little bit. Um, but I think in the case of say Paul with um, Nelvi Marte, who, by the way, is still in the lower levels of the minors and is more prospect pedigree than like fundamental performances like off the charts. But like I, I know Paul has been making him available for the right package, but I don't think he's necessarily like going to just let him go for anything. Um, and I think that's the right move. But I, I don't know if in years past it would have been as hard to pry these guys loose but i don't know i i also feel like i'm getting interesting offers for gallon i'm personally okay keeping him so i'm not just going to trade him for anything um but no i mean anton paid a good price for edwin diaz like i i debated this with you star separately and also with ian um i think some of us think that a top three reliever is worth that third rounder in the playoffs and some don't um i think that's a debate to have but anton and i think seemed more aligned on it uh, than maybe you and i are um, but no, I think it just depends. I, I, I think maybe it's a little harder right now to get that top double A talent. People are a little more willing to trade the picks, it seems. 
Chris? I like. I feel like I. I I'll, I'm willing to name it. It more than in years past. It feels like we have teams that only have one or two bullets in the gun that are exactly. the clear contenders, right? And it's. I think it's a. It's the landscape that has been created after several years of the same teams being towards the top and the same teams being towards the bottom. So we've got some some clear, for lack of a better term, I'm going to go with hoarder um, of prospects and and uh, and picks. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know who that could be. It's, it's tough to tell. No, I mean, but listen, this is, not, me. this is not this is not an attack on anyone. I think, every, you know, people are, are, are having great strategies and we're seeing the way that that's going to unfold. But right now, like if you look at I'm, I'm picking Dubner at random, like if you take Dubner, he's got Cassis and that's it. Like if you if you look at you, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He traded him. He traded Cassis to me last right. night. Yeah, last I, was gonna say, I, I, have, I have literally nothing. I, I, right. I have I have picks. That's all I have. Becker's got almost nothing left. Like Brophy is not a clear buyer right now. Paul's got one main guy and then a bunch of picks. Like we're not looking at okay. Let's look at what you have and and negotiate which of the top five guys you can you can part with. It's just a different landscape and it's making for a very tricky negotiation period. Anton, I got to give you credit. Like from what I can see, everything that you're saying is 100% accurate. Like you're making fair offers and you're going after what you want and being clear and you're getting it because I think, you know, there's just, you're going to be able to do that in this market. And I think that that's good. I hope more people will, will jump in like that. Um, yeah, you know, it was I, funny. I, I, I was having this conversation with Mark the other day, how I feel like the aggressive selling I did in the off season, which I know you guys have talked about on previous pods kind of set me up for this year, just because like I traded Manoa. Had I known how good he was going to be and where I was going to be, might not have sold him. But if I held on to him at a 0.5 K2, I probably would have gone more stars and scrubs, would have had more holes, wouldn't have bought and may not be as competitive as if, you know, I had traded him. I paid what 30 or 40 million dollars for a bunch of picks um, before the double A draft. Also, that brought my top line value of how much I could buy during the during the auction down. So I had to adjust my strategy out of pure necessity. And it worked out. I I mean, I I think I had a great auction. I could have very easily not had a great auction and not been talking to you guys today, but um, it worked out. Anton, one more thing I want to say that I just want to echo you because I think you're 100% right on this too. I don't think we pay enough attention to the timing of the trades in this league. Like the rental concept, we wait until the 15th week and then it's like, oh, five weeks, I'm not willing to pay that much. But the best trades are the ones that happen early where you can set, you can get the wins and get the buys, right? Every run I've ever made, I've had a double buy. Um, and it's been because, you know, we had the great regular season made early trades and you got to be aggressive in buying or selling. So from my seat, just one man's opinion, I applaud you. I think, I think you did a fantastic job. Um, thank you, man. And, uh, credit to you. Let's keep beating on jewelry this week. I'm loving this. Yeah. I, I think my boys took the bulletin board material that, uh, that Ian said with a surefire max penalty. Oh, that got us going. We're we're, <laughs> we're not we're not having any of that, Ian. Ian no way. We're fighting. Jorvi, uh, your team is amazing. I need all the help I can get. That's all, man. 
And uh, I keep I keep hoping Mark's gonna buy. I, I don't know which way he's gonna go, but I hope he buys. I know it would directly hurt me, but it'd be fun to see. Yeah. I know he promoted Tucker and I was like, oh, is this the start of it? And then that was just it. It was, it was just Tucker. I was like, oh doesn't, doesn't no, he man, he picked up Birdie, who's just stealing bases every game. Doesn't he have to promote Tucker? He can't protect him, I thought. I thought that was like a must. No, he, he would be rule five. He has multiple rule five eligible players. But so didn't, he, he didn't protect him already? No, he wasn't eligible last year. He like, uh, was just short of, of eligibility last year. So That I'm would gonna, be interesting. Yeah, just a quick Sorry. podcast uh, hosting thing here that I want to say for the, for the listeners. Um, Anton joined us very graciously at the last minute. Um, I, I'm hoping he's going to stay as long as he can, but he, he promised us 20 minutes and we have reached his 20 minutes. So at some point, um, he is going to just duck off and he'll probably interrupt us and say, I got to go. I got childcare stuff to worry about. Um, so just when that happens, uh, don't be alarmed. Uh, Anton is fine. Um, Thanks, Chris. I can probably do another five. Okay. We got five. I'm happy more. to pontificate or, or answer questions, or we can talk about other teams. I think we should talk about other teams. Like, who, who scares you right now, Anton? Mark. <laughs> I mean, he, we are neck and neck. Like, I, it's probably going to go five, five, seven, me, seven, five, him. And he has shot one bullet. Like, if he promotes two more guys, spends a little to get a, a couple more guys, he's going to be a terror. I'm just, I'm so thankful that it's already Thursday. And if he shoots those bullets tomorrow, I only have to deal with it for three more days. Um, Mark's looking good. Um, I'm seeing how Star's doing on the other side. Um, I'm trying to ignore that because that's terrifying. Um, But uh, Tone's in trouble. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah, I I think one thing that maybe kind of under the radar that that benefits you is that there aren't that many like stars left to trade for or obvious players left to trade for and you just took a couple of them off the board and took them out of mark's hands potentially not that mark necessarily needed a starting pitcher but you know mark needs plenty you know some help and to take guys like wheeler and Contreras off the board um, there aren't that many players left for him to now go out and acquire. Uh, so that, that, that I think is kind of a, an extra bonus to what you did there. Not only did you help yourself, but you kept your opponent, your, your primary competition for the playoff spot from. Yeah, I was, I was contemplating doing a Godfather style offer to take off, uh, I don't know, Nola and Cole, someone like that. And then, like, directly improve and directly, not you know, hurt him. But no, he uh, he stuck to his guns. He knows he knows how to acquire prospects. So um, yeah, that wasn't going to work. You thanked me a few minutes ago for the the good work my team's done in the first four days. I'm going to thank you right back for not sending them over to the White Walkers. Like, if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna improve a, a farm system, I'm glad you 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 chose a different one. Because I, I, that winter is coming. <laughs> I'm sort of like it's getting cold in here. I'm pretty sure it's. Hasn't he still not watched that show? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he has. Yeah. No. He. Yeah. Um. Can we? Sorry. I just. You. You. You're looking like Obi Wan right now. Are you watching? You didn't comment. Are you a Star Wars guy? Oh, I'm a Star Wars guy. Yeah. Uh, no. I. I, I haven't watched the last two uh, episodes. I, I'm too behind. 
Are you with Stalin? You're not, you're not in on this Obi-Wan stuff, or, or you are? Oh, I am. I've just, I've watched the first four. I've not watched the last two. Uh, work's been a little crazy, so I'm a little behind, but um, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm I, loving seeing Darth Vader again. It's, yeah. I'm it's only fun. two episodes in. I, I, I'm looking forward to this this Vader plot. Um, I guess we shouldn't spoil anything. Although as Star pointed out, how can you how can you really spoil too much when you know how this stuff ends? My one uh, nitpick so far, there's probably many, but in the first two episodes, uh, Leia, a young Leia, like her decision making um, uh, in in the second episode. I, I I know she's young, but I just I found her her decisions baffling. Um, <laughs> it made it more dramatic, but uh, but yeah, those writers. I like that. I like that second episode. Uh, the first, I thought the first episode was terrible. Uh, I really did. I was like, am I, do I really want to keep watching this show? But I, I stuck with it. I don't, and, and to be clear, I don't hate it. It's not, I mean, I've watched it all. I haven't watched the last episode, but I've watched it all. It's just like, it's fine. Like, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's fine. So George and I, I have this theory that TV and movies, um, they all have a corresponding food, right? So like, You'll, you'll, you'll have your steaks where it's dense and you really have to sit down and you're having like a meal. Uh, and then you'll have your, your Doritos. Um, and I think anyone who sat down expecting that this was going to be some form of like a heavy meal is disappointed. And those of us who sat down and they're like, no, I'm, I'm enjoying my Milky Way right now. Like then, then uh, you're, you're having a great time. And that's where I'm Start at. Star Wars is never a steak, Chris. That may be controversial right. yeah, for that, some that, of the... Like a hot dog or something. The, the Mandalorian is not a steak, but the Mandalorian is good. Obi-Wan is not a steak, and it's also not a Milky Way. It's yeah. I, 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 it's, it's, it's not there. It's, it's a different... It's Yeah, I, I, I don't want to go on an Obi-Wan bashing journey here. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to go there. I, I, I felt like it was the right way to get a little more of Anton out tonight. I'm enjoying it, though. It's been fun. Yeah. All right. On that note, I should probably step out. Appreciate the time, guys. And uh, yeah, best of luck. Mark, May the force be with you. Good, man. Yeah, indeed. Thanks for joining us. All right. So I think, um, thank you, Anton, again, for joining us tonight. That was that was pretty great. Uh, I, I think that was a really good lesson, too. Um, so we, we, we managed to touch on all of his trades. Like, what are the trades that happened that didn't involve Anton. This might take us a moment because I think he's involved in most of them, right? So you had uh Star's trade, right? Yeah, my trade. Well, Star, why don't we give you the podium then? Why don't you talk a little bit about what, what you've done? Yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I I it I, I've been in a strange spot in that like I think because even though my offense has actually played very well over the last now month and a half or so, I think I, the the way that my season started, I think I convinced myself that I really needed to get a bat. Um, and I actually felt like I needed some starting pitching depth. But Machado, after I missed out on Ramirez, and I, I knew I couldn't compete with Anton's offer, I felt like Machado was kind of the best bat available. At the time, Alex Bregman was not hitting super well. I feel like third base was a good place to, to upgrade. Bregman has been on absolute fire since I acquired Machado. So now I have to figure out a way to get them both in the lineup when Machado comes back. But that was really what it came down to. It seemed like that was kind of a weak spot on my team. You know, I felt like you can never have too many bats. Um, and he was kind of like the one clear superstar that I felt like could benefit my team that 
I was able to get. And I, I, I added Alex Wood, who's been terrible in two starts uh, <laughs> since I acquired him, but I felt like I needed some pitching depth with some injuries that I was dealing with at the time. I, I thought that it was, was a good trade for both of you. I thought it was a good trade for both of you. My read on this is, and this is, I thought it was sort of established, validated the market that I was seeing for, for JD Martinez when I traded with Ian. Um, that's a little bit of a story, which I can get into in a second. But um, I feel like these trades to me look like trades that would normally happen around the trade deadline. It's like a first round-ish, like I think we talked about the star, like you were saying, Prados, but you know, you, you're after him later in the, the last year's draft, but you know, maybe now would be equivalent to a first rounder or some of right. some kind. That's what I traded JD for. But I feel like in the past, that caliber of player could have gone a little bit later in this in the season, closer to the deadline for that package. And so that's one where and, and maybe maybe if folks disagree, we'd have to go back to really look at this carefully, but that's my instinct. Um, and that's one area where I feel like the market is a little bit more of a buyer's market. Um, maybe it's kind of nitpicking. It's not a big deal to trade that same package a few weeks early, but if you are trying to avoid McQueen penalties, every, every trade matters. And so if you, if you pull the trigger early, maybe you would expect a little bit more value there as a seller, but no, I thought it was a good trade for both of you. Um, makes sense. Yeah, it's funny. I, I made that offer to Josh. Like, I originally was for Liam Hendricks instead of Alex Wood, and then Hendricks got hurt. But it was funny that he said, oh, that is, he told me that's clearly the best offer that anyone has made. And I was like, oh, that's kind of surprising, actually, that no one else had really come to the table and made an offer that really came close to that. It was surprising to me. I think there's something that's happened here that's not what I predicted at all, and that's just that there's been a sense of urgency from buyers. Mostly because, you know, nobody had urgency at the point that Ryan and I consummated our trade. Um, and then I, now we're seeing some dominoes fall to the point where, you know, Matt, to quote you from literally five, seven minutes ago, um, there aren't a lot of major pieces left. So that, that kind of happened quickly. Um, and so the teams that I think really needed to make a move, um, they might find themselves missing out at this point which is surprising uh, given where the market was a few minutes ago. John, I, I think uh, we got... Oh, oh, I just want to say, just, just just in terms of the timing, I mean, I don't know. I Part of the reason I felt like it was the time to move for me was that I think the double buy, or a buy in general, but the double buy in particular is so valuable that the earlier I can move to, make a, to, to add those guys and improve the team and improve my chances of getting a buy or a double buy the better for me. And that was really what it came down to for why I was motivated to do that when I did. Anyway, go carry on. No, I, that was interesting. I, I, I appreciate hearing that, that uh, behind the scenes stuff. Sean, I think we need the story. Can you give us the story? It's just, uh, as I described to, to Paul after the fact, uh, for Ian, I mean, imagining t imagine two older Jewish men. And for those of you that don't know, my, my name is fully Irish, but I am half Jewish. So this is said with, with full love um, and uh, a realistic assessment of my cultural heritage. But imagine two older Jewish men haggling over a piece of like very well used IKEA furniture on Craigslist. And that was me and Ian talking trades over the last month and a half. It started bigger. I was, I kept telling Ian, like, dude, I love you. We, we've traded a lot these many, many years of LDB, but I'm like literally moving across the country with my family. Like, I don't have a lot of bandwidth right now, so I may be slow to respond to you. It's not a matter of disrespect or, you know, I'm not, don't like your offer. I just literally just have no time and energy to talk. 
and like every morning checking in, checking in, checking in. And you know, we all love him. He keeps us on point. He is like the energizer bunny. He like just keeps the feet going. So more power to him. But it was just like, oh my god, like I was like dealing with moving trucks and like shipping my car and like kids and all this stuff. And uh, and I was like, oh, the most the most pressing agenda on my on my inbox today is getting back to Ian on this this JD Martinez plus trade. But uh, no, it was it was hilarious. Like every day we were because we were talking bigger. We were talking story. We were talking, I think, Edwin Diaz, like all these pieces. And eventually, you know, we just <clears throat> we settled on JD plus and uh, it actually consummated. We were almost done with it right when Star and Josh made their trade. And, uh, you know, your trade, Matt, like I think it moved the market a little bit, but we ended up we ended up sticking with parameters. I, I think it, JD is having a weird season, like incredible. Like you want him on your team right now and, and as a major league team, but from a fantasy perspective, not quite as good as it looks because he's not hitting the home runs. Even though I feel like you look at his swing, he's hitting, he's not pulling the ball quite as much and he's not lifting it quite as much, but everyone who knows JD knows he, he's like such a, uh, a scientist about this. I feel like he could just in a minute start lifting the ball a little bit more. The exit velocity is still there. Anyway, point being, I think he's a little bit discounted right now from his normal value even with his age, just because he's not hitting for power. And so the, the RBI production isn't quite there either, but a uh, great player. I I'm, I'm happy for Ian. I think, I think he's going to do well for him down the stretch. Um, but yeah, for me, my team, um, I still have a couple of assets I'd like on the table. I think I'd still, you know, I've been hesitating on gallon as, as Anton mentioned, I was asking for LA De La Cruz. I'd like to get a prospect that I like out of one of these two guys, at least, um, but, you know, I built a pretty big pick pile. I may continue to build on it. Um, 12 picks. feel like I like the double A's I've acquired over the last um, season or so. So I'm, I'm feeling good about the rebuild. But, uh, but yeah, um, that's where I am. And that's, that's, the, that's the Ian story. Love you, Ian. It, it's great because I, I feel like I was getting just occasional commentary from both of you. As, just like every, every once in a while. I would just be like, ah, fucking Ian, or like, God damn it, Sean. Ian's so unreasonable. It's like, is a, like a real good like haggle, would right? Go by and, I, and nothing would happen. And I'm like, what is going on here? And like, again, like a good player, but like nothing like some of these trades we were just talking about with Anton. So it's just, it's a good haggle. It's a good haggle. I'm envisioning this thing that both of you do where like, Ian sets the line and he's like, listen, man, if you can't do this, I'm afraid the deal is dead. And then you're like, well, then the deal is dead. And Ian walks away for approximately seven minutes and then comes back and is like, what about this? <laughs> and then you was, went right back to him. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think in the past I'm used to that, but I was a little bit more emotionally raw this last few months. So I was just like, oh, man, oh, you're making me feel like up and down. But no, all good fun. It happened. Uh, I, I'm. I'm definitely pulling for Ian here, and and and, and frankly, he, he and I are still going to talk on story. I know he wants him. We disagree on what he what he might trade him for, but that's okay. More more time. Story is probably probably the biggest piece yet to be traded. I think you're going to wait for the next big hot streak, and then he'll find a new home. Uh, that's my prediction. We'll find out if I'm right. Um, Chris, do you have any pieces left to trade? Anything yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm in a weird spot, and honestly, like I'm in the opposite spot from where I was at the beginning of the year. I wanted to be the first seller. I achieved it. Um, I totally tanked out. I'm in very good shape to get the 101, and now I'm in full let's win games to fight McQueenie's mode. Um, so I'm not in a hurry to move any of the remaining pieces. But if I get off to a hot start in the second half and can afford to trade pitching, I will. Because I think, you know, my, my stats are deceptively bad because 
Um, I, like I, I, I'm not trying to like start a conversation about tanking, but the rules are the rules. And, uh, you know, I, I had absolutely no qualms about starting bad pitchers against the Dodgers, knowing full well that losses were going to be good for me. Um, so I just, you know, I played my, I played my players. That was the strategy. I wasn't going to put anyone on the bench. And, uh, and that really worked, uh, to, to my advantage, I feel in losing games. Now I'm not going to do that anymore. So I think you're going to get a more actively managed team. And I hope that that's going to lead me to some victories that, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but, um, you know, I have McCullers coming off the IL, like who knows? I feel like that's a really good dart for someone to try to buy on the cheap, especially because I can't keep him. He's on a K3 contract. Um, I would like to say I'll trade him, but I don't know. I, I need to get something for him. Um, and similarly, like Lance Lynn is not himself yet. Like if in the next five weeks, Lance Lynn looks like Lance Lynn, I'm pretty sure I'll get something for him. Um, Flaherty's the hard one for me to say like, yeah, I'm going to trade that guy because he doesn't look right yet. Most recent start, the the uh, velocity was coming back, so that's a good sign. But, you know, this is a man that really hasn't pitched in a year. Um, so, like, I'm not expecting a lot until I'm going to go ahead and say July 15th, August 1st. And that's probably going to disqualify me from including him in any offer because I just don't think anyone's going to pay for what I would need to get to take him off the table for next year. So. Um, really long-winded answer there, but that's that's the full glimpse of what's going on with my pitching staff right now. Yeah, makes, I, you know, I, I watched some of Lance Lynn's second start, and I thought he actually looked pretty good. Uh, the the velo is not quite there, but I thought he looked close to the Lance Lynn that I'm used to seeing. And plus, Lance Lynn is just fun to watch in general. So, <laughs> Lance Lynn, I think, like the velo thing with him does not worry me nearly as much as it does with Flaherty. Um, in part because Lance Lynn is a veteran and there's such an established track record of veterans having their velocity down as they're building up. And that's clearly where Lynn is. Um, and it's not that Flaherty is not building up. It's that he's much younger. Um, and it's a shoulder injury with Lynn. It's a leg. So like, I just, once, once I saw Flaherty's uh, velocity coming back, I was like, all right, that's what I needed to see. I expect that he will not be a very good pitcher for a little bit longer though. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, Flaherty's also coming off of like multiple seasons of injuries now, uh, too. Where, where Lynn was just kind of a weird freak thing this year, and you, know, you don't have this like long now several year track record of an arm injury. <laughs> Very different situations. Are you too comfortable with my throwing a little bit of a league based curveball at you just for a discussion? I mean, given that we've kind of covered the trade market a bit here. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I'm curious now that, you know, the, the market is settling, like who is missing out? Like which teams are you saying to, to yourself? Like, wow, that buying team missed the window to buy, uh, or that selling team is going to be the one that's left out in the cold. If at all, are we thinking that at all? I mean, I, I, I almost said this to Anton and, and I, I have no idea if Becca was involved with. Nate, but I know Becker wants and needs a pitcher. He's got a lot of injuries on the pitching side right now, and he could really use an arm. And boy, was I glad that Wheeler went to Anton and not to Becker because that's that was clearly the best. If Mark's not going to sell, which seems like it's kind of up in the air, Wheeler was clearly the best arm on the market. And like, no disrespect to Zach Gallon, Zach Gallon's good too. I don't know. If, I don't know if Becker's involved in the Zach Gallon discussions either, but even Zach Gallon going to Becker doesn't make 
wouldn't make nearly the difference that getting Wheeler would have made for this season. And so I know I, I think there just aren't if Mark doesn't sell, there aren't that many pitchers left. And I think Becker needs a pitcher. And so he missed I think he's missed out a little bit uh on on some of the activity that's happened thus far. John, you got a take? I know Paul has been kind of nibbling and in, in, in a lot of discussions. Um I mean, he's, and I have already traded. I, I feel bad Alex Cobb has not worked out so far. I still believe in Cobb. But I think Paul is not done yet. Um, he still has pieces. He has picks. I don't know if he's going to need to trade that that big asset that we talked about. Um, the only thing with Paul is, like, he's just had horrible roto luck. Um, right. Like, you know, with respect to Anton's bold moves, which I think are awesome, like, his roto performance has not been particularly outstanding to date. And now that he's made these moves, I think he's moved himself into his clear playoff category um uh, in terms of caliber but but paul's has one of the best teams in the league by roto and it's just had bad luck i mean even last week you were talking chris about uh intentionally starting all of your guys knowing that a loss doesn't hurt you pre-week 11 and it, it, and so that's where you build up your your pole position for for the number one pick i i was playing paul and i was like i sent him a text i was like my my head tells me i should not be trying to beat you here but my heart like i want to like put up a good fight and so i was managing my team actively as if i was trying to win and, and i did beat him and the and so i think i won seven to five the week before star crushed me 11 to one although that wasn't good enough for star as we covered the last podcast he was disappointed by that one category so i hope he's over that but point being star got me on like i think one of my worst roto weeks of the of the season i think i've lost 15 points that's terrible i mean that's about as bad as it can get and then uh, Paul got me on a week that I recovered five of those points and he lost. So Paul's just had a tough season. I think he probably could make some moves, but just based on the fundamentals, his team is due to bounce back. And, you know, whether that's going to be enough, I don't know. I, just real quick on Paul's team, because, Sean, if you hadn't said him, that's who I was going to cite as well. I just feel that the hitting on that team, um, it, it needs a boost. And now, like, to the point that I think we've really heard a lot, like, there's not quite the elite hitters out there with respect to Trevor story like story may get really hot and and be elite down the stretch and I as I said earlier I expect you to find a home for him um but I I don't think he's Jose Ramirez good right and so like if we're talking about the guys that have been moved um he's he's a he's a tier down and I think Paul needed a top tier guy uh I unless star wants to talk about Paul there the other team that jumps out at me as as a missed buying opportunity is Dubner um, I would like to talk about Paul just real quick. I, I, just I, it hasn't been mentioned, but I think the reason that Paul, you know, the Paul's roto stats, even on offense, tell a pretty good story. But Ozzy Albies is out with a serious injury. He just lost Manny Margot, who was having a great season. He might be done for the season now. Tyler Stevenson, who's been great for him, is out. He's had a bunch of injuries lately, and I think he needs someone to come in and fill in some of those gaps because. You know, he's, his offense now with all those guys down isn't the same. I think, yeah, I think there's a, a clear need. So I just wanted to highlight that. That is a reason for why I think there's a need for him to add a bat. Yeah, um, I think we're all on the same page on this one. I, I'm actually pretty sure that at least one of the two of you is going to disagree with me about Dubner. So I'm going to just throw out my, my take on this one. Dubner's offense needs no introduction right like we already know that it's one of the league's absolute best and it's been that way the entire season his pitching has surprised but the guys that have surprised 
I don't believe in them. And now listen, this is the same guy that like a week and a half ago said, I don't believe in Miles uh, Michaelis right before he almost threw a no hitter. But like, I've seen Waka, okay? Waka has had a really charmed season and he he might just be a wily veteran that's kind of having a really good year. No. He's not this good. I'm sorry, he's not this good. No. Like, Waka's not a good pitcher. <laughs> Waka is the luckiest. Now, now that now that my boy Dakota Hudson had had regression come for him, Waka's next. Don't worry. Okay, but you are aware what his current stat line is. He's got an ERA of two three four and a WHIP of one hundred four. I mean, that's better than ninety seven percent of the starting pitchers in baseball right now, and it's just not going to hold. I think Dubner needs that line. That's the issue, right? Like Dubner also is has not had the best year so far out of out of Morton and Bieber. I think they've kind of held serve. Oh, Bieber's uh, been great. I mean, I thought Bieber's been as good as 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 you could want him to be. But though it's Gonsolin that's been fucking incredible for him. Tony Gonsolin is 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 the reason that, that his pitching is doing as well as it is. Tony Gonsolin is absolutely incredible. I'm gonna push back a little bit on Bieber. Bieber's not the Bieber of old, right? Like I think he's he's more hittable and he's he's been I don't think he's going to be bulletproof like he was in the past. No, he, he, but he, but he's still, you know, a top twenty pitcher, which is I think you know the price that Dubner paid for him is not paying for Bieber as a top three, but paying for him as a top twenty. I think he's, you know, he's that guy, and 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 he's fine. And if, this, if that's incredible, what expected. I think it's kind of incredible how how good Bieber has been considering the velocity loss. I mean. Right. At the beginning of the season, everyone was like freaking out. Um, Here's my he's point: two to three miles an hour down from his peak. Yeah, I apologize, Sean. I interrupted you there, and you're right. But here's my point: like we talk about Becker really having needed Wheeler. I think Dubner needed him more. Like I, I really do. I think he needed him much more. Um, and uh, and I think that this is the team that is going to have to be getting creative to find the pitching down the stretch. So, um, we'll see. Uh, what yeah, about? He, go ahead. I, I would have said he, he's the other guy that I was happy to not see get Wheeler. Uh, given they right now they they appear to be my two you know the top two teams in competition for the double buy and and for you know winning Union in general. I uh, was was happy not to see either of them get get the best pitcher on the market. I can't I have to say. I apologize for the to the two of you if I'm if I'm overly driving the cast tonight, but I have one more big question. Unless you guys want to talk about a seller that you feel has really missed their boat. All right. What do we say about Brophy? Like, I feel like this is very quiet for a Brophy team. I mean, I, I think Brophy was in an interesting is, is in an interesting position. I certainly would not count him out right now. Um, I think particularly because there are likely more promotions to come uh, there, some potentially difference-making promotions. Um, I think if if Aaron Ashby had not gone on the IL, he would be up for Brophy right now. I think Nick Lodolo um, may be back. I think he's supposed to be back soon. And that's another potential promotion. Um, and I feel like there's somebody else too who I'm forgetting. Uh, hold on, I, I look at his roster real quick. There's, oh, and uh, um, was Michael Harris on the Braves has also been great. And I think there's some guys kind of lurking there that if Brophy decides, 
he's having a great week. Brophy's having a great week this week. He, he's going to be maybe closer to 500 after this. Um, I think he's kind of you know taking his time, kind of seeing where his team is going to be in a few weeks. I think if he is in it at the trade deadline, Brophy could still make a move or two. But I think he he's the team that benefits the most from promoting guys, and I think that's maybe overlooked if he decides if all those guys get help if if uh, if Lodolo and Ashby get healthy, which sounds like they will be soon, and he brings them up and they contribute, like all of a sudden Brophy's team is is good. This is a team that's also really underperformed expectations thus far. And he, I, what he he traded away Varios, but that's it, right? I don't think he made any other big moves um, yet. So he hasn't really burned it down. And this is the team that was projected to be, I think the projections have basically we're going to be the top team in the league. It's basically the same team that won the championship last year. So it's one to worry about. And, and one everywhere in federal should be paying attention to. Brophy is very much not out. That's my take on Brophy. Yeah, I think he's going to be either buying or selling up to the deadline. I think he's just probably going to look for the best opportunity and just take it week to week. Because, um, yeah, he, he uh, you know, he could very easily take one of these wild card spots um but yeah i i think he'll probably wait a few weeks and then pull the trigger on something barring like a really good deal presenting itself before then which i don't see happening i know i know he was he was trying to sell matt olson and was not happy with what he was getting so you know i think i think if someone blew him away for like a matt olson maybe he would move them but it seemed like last last i talked to him about it he was probably going to stay the course for the time being and kind of see how it all plays out. I think the trick for Brophy is his odds of catching Tim at this point are pretty slim. So because because Tim's going to hold serve this week and looks like he's going to be roughly 20 games up on Brophy, give or take a game, right? That's enough with nine weeks to go that I'd give him 75 to 90 percent odds of, of holding the division. And, it, and if he holds it, then Brophy's like, am I going to buy for a wild card team? And that's that's harder to do. Um, I feel like when you know uh, when you know you've got a bright future and you're going to make it either way. I mean, it, it, there's an analysis here of like how much is one player going to make a difference? And I think Brophy's really savvy at that kind of stuff. Um, all right, we've been on for about 50 minutes. I've had a lot of fun. I'm open to more discussions if you guys have things you want to talk about. Um, if not, I think we need to take at least two or three minutes about the tones are really going to struggle, guys. I think these tones are are 100% going to struggle. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if we are being honest here, uh, I, I pulled up the the records in weeks five through ten. So so Becker had the best. The tones had the best record through the first five weeks. Uh, in week six through ten. Uh, sub 500 team, 28 and 32 over the last five weeks, and you know I don't I don't want to count my chickens here, but it looks like he's probably heading for another loss. I don't know, I don't want to say bad loss, but certainly another loss probably this week, just the way things are lining up so far. And he has had a lot of injuries. This is not the same team that it was at the beginning of the season, and so you know I. For for all 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 we make all that we make fun of, of Becker for downplaying his team's success, there have been some issues here, uh, and, and it's really been on the pitching side. Um, he's just you know losing Freddie Peralta, 
losing Tyler McGill, who was so good at the beginning of the season. He didn't have a lot of pitching depth. And when those guys went down, I think who else did he lose? Uh, Michael Pineda, who's I mean, fine. But, you know, the, the pitching depth has taken a hit, and he hasn't really been able to address it. And so the pitching in particular has really suffered in recent weeks. And it hasn't fully shown. I think he's, you know, in the Roto pitching, he's still – yeah, he's still third in roto pitching, but he was one. I think if you look at like over the last four weeks or so, it looks it, it tells a very different story than that. So, you know, the offense is awesome. His offense is outstanding and that hasn't changed. But I think there are some concerns on the pitching side for the tones. And I don't I, I don't have a good sense of when some of these guys are getting healthy. Uh, you know, I think getting Peralta and Miguel back would be huge, but I don't off the top of my head, know when they're supposed to be back. And if they're going to miss more time, I think that actually could be a problem for him. I don't think he's going to fall out of playoff contention, but I think, you know, he, he may he may fall out of the top of the division and, and be in, find himself in a wild card spot. I think that's so possible. On McGill, I haven't followed him as closely since his early season success. I mean, his overall numbers are not that pretty is that just the injury the last few starts or i mean he, he's got a five era like he, it's not like right. he's coming home to like save the day based on that but um i i think perlt is a bigger potential benefit uh wander i think is going to be up with the rays this weekend so like you said the offense is already pretty strong but what better boost than to slot him in at short put jazz into second Jonathan India is having a little bit of a disappointing season. I don't know how much of that is driven by injury. I see that hasn't played a full year um, so far, but um, yeah, I I think Becker will try to move, make a move for pitchers. It just doesn't he doesn't have a lot of of ammo left. I mean, he's talking trading Trout, but Listen, that, that hurts you there. in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at McGill. No, go so ahead. McGill had like an out his first six starts of the season. He was incredible, and then he had the start where he got hurt, where he gave up eight runs in an inning, and then he left the That's game with an injury. Okay, uh, and then he came back from the IL and he made I think three pretty bad starts, and then he went back on the IL. So it seems pretty clear. Oh, it was just two. It was just two. He gave up six runs in six innings and in two starts after he came back and then he went back on the IL. So those three starts all seem very injury affected and yeah. caused his ERA. I mean, he he gave up, in those three starts, he gave up 14 runs in 7.2 innings. <laughs> and that, and when you only have like, what, 40 innings on the season, that, that's, gonna, that's gonna hurt the ERA. Well, so if he can get healthy, which, it, you know, it, it, it's never, you know, you never want to count on a guy currently out with an arm injury getting back to where he was if he can get healthy that's a difference maker but it's not a guarantee we're coming up on the hour mark i think it's time to start winding us down but i do want to just say star you don't really believe in mojo and all that jazz but you did just play 100 into becker's you know like don't give the bulletin board material mojo train so uh we did talk about the tones but in the way that he would have been comfortable which is they're struggling they're um, terrible they're awful they're awful. just they're just they're just real bad and and when he comes back to beat you now you will have only yourself to blame um maybe i just did a little reverse jinx right there there we go yeah, so, yeah I, pre I appreciate you trying to balance the mojo out a little bit 
Um, and and for our listeners, uh, I I just have to share with you because you don't get the visual, and you know we're never going to give you the visual. I'm sorry, but as uh, as as both Sean and Matt were studying McGill's stats, they both had on the studious like deep dive face, which can only be described as like furrowed brow, like you know deep breathing, uh, very 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 labored. Um, it was it was quite the look, and I appreciate well, it. Well, while we're on McGill, very quickly before we close, I want to pour one out for Matt Brash. I saw that uh, that the roof just dropped him, the other early season darling who uh, just came on really hot. I mean, I've never seen baseball Twitter so excited over such a small sample, but uh, hopefully he comes back as a reliever later this season. But the well, our two darling pitchers, yeah. What's weird about Brash? Didn't Brash only have like one good start, really? Like he had like one good start and a good yeah, spring. Maybe a and second. Everyone, like lost yeah. their mind, and then, and then it all just went to hell immediately. Well, he was so like he was so pitching ninjaable, you know, like he had right. like those beautiful gifs. So yeah. So just real quick on, on Decker's pitching. So over the last four weeks of the season, he is second to last in ERA. Uh, and I think also second to last in whip over, over the last four weeks. So it's, it's been, it's, it has been legitimately not pretty for him over the last They're month. terrible. It's absolutely terrible team. I kind of want to like, just read Mark's email out to the, to the league on the cast where he used like 97 of his prospects names, but I think we'll spare you. Um, so I think that's it guys, uh, unless you have a last burning thought. All right, I am going to say uh, very strongly, we haven't had Ian on all season. It's time, especially because he's doing his mid-season power rankings. I expect he'll be done by the end of the week. Um, so are you guys comfortable with the open invite to Ian to join us the next time we go? Come Co-com- on down. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Co-Commish, you heard it. We're hoping you're going to join us. Um, I got to warn the, the two of you and Becker, you, one of you is going to have to slide over into my chair because I'm going to be in Greece. Um, poor me. Uh, it's vacation time. George and I are hitting our 15th anniversary. And uh, Congratulations. Thank you very much. We will be leaving the country and that's going to be glorious. We're, we're heading out on Monday. So unless we somehow record before then, which would be a tight squeeze, uh, then then maybe, maybe it's time for one of you to slide over. Um, but uh, you guys good with that? And we'll we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Good night, LDB. Sounds good. See y'all. Thanks, Anton. Baseball.